Welcome to the Koi Chronicles. I'm Michael Strickland, entrepreneur, growth strategist, and executive coach. My career has spanned three decades in working with executives, teams, and companies seeking to expand and grow. So what does a group of fish have to do with leading and growing companies? Well, join me on a journey of discovery that came not from the latest leadership book or a seminar, but from a very unexpected place, from a few fish and a couple of my canine friends. Walk with me and my guests as we discover and ponder together what nature's small friend, Sam, a small bossy Cairn Terrier, and Sigmund, a more laid-back beagle, and Koi, Savannah, shy and boss, gifted to me. Join me while I interview some interesting folks and muse on a lot of things as I wind down my journey. So welcome to the Koi Chronicles. Good afternoon. This is Michael Strickland. I appreciate you tuning in to the Koi Chronicles Lessons in Leadership. I've got a fabulous guest today, Mr. Gare Maxwell, who resides in Canada and is also a marketing branding expert. And let me give you a real quick reason why I asked Gare to join us today. He visited Louisville recently and spoke with a group of CEOs, entrepreneurs on the topic of branding, marketing, communication, messaging. And as we all know, that can be an extreme challenge for all businesses today because the landscape is changing so much. So, Gare, welcome. Well, thank you so much, Michael. I have been so looking forward to this. And just as you were, I was listening to you do the introduction, as fate would have it, I am sitting here in Fredericton, New Brunswick, Canada, the home of one of our country's greatest small business success stories. And it dovetails nicely with the subject that we want to talk about and, and share with all of our listeners today. You know, I really appreciate that because you did share a bit of that story. And I don't want to take the message away from you, but the concept of a car dealership in Canada becoming huggable, quite interesting. Yeah, that's it. And all you got to do, and for anyone listening, you just got a picture. And this is why it's applicable to any category. After a while, in any business category, it doesn't matter whether it's insurance, dentistry, it could be anything, tattoo parlors or beauty parlors. Let's talk car dealerships. Right away in your mind, you start to see, well, all the new car dealerships look the same, but also all the used car dealerships look the same. The new car dealers are all shiny glass buildings and the used car dealers are, well, I'll leave it at that. But here at Canada's Huggable Car Dealer, visually, this would be the equivalent of what Walt Disney would create if he was going to create a used car dealership. So you've got a picture in your imagination, theater of the mind, hundreds, and I mean hundreds of teddy bears. There's mascots. There's a merry-go-round out front. There's a nature trail to go walk your dog. Everything and anything you can think of that embodies the spirit of the word huggable is happening right here at Jim Gilbert's Wheels and Deals. And Michael, and you know the story, when I met Jim in 2002, he had five employees and they were doing about 1.5 million a year in annual revenue. And today, as I sit here and look out over their brand new showroom and their building extension, 
They employ 38 people, and this year they will surpass the $50 million mark in revenues. You know, it's a remarkable story. And as I reflected with you prior to the invitation to join me today, most CEOs, entrepreneurs, business owners, regardless of the industry, whether it's technology, whether it's business services, whether it's manufacturing, whether it's consumer to consumer, I get the same question over and over again. It's Michael, the landscape has changed so much in marketing and creating a brand that is recognizable and creating competitive advantage, but the old rules no longer work. We used to put up a billboard. We used to print really nice brochures. We used to create a nice television commercial. And we felt as if we were doing our job to create momentum and a buzz about our company. But, Gary, as you can attest, those rules no longer apply. So how do you respond to that proverbial challenge that I hear over and over again? Yeah, that's a great question, Michael. And I think what you've asked is really the highest of all the strategic questions in marketing. And I can answer it this way. And I'm going to give Gary Vaynerchuk credit for it. You're a media company first. You're a software company second. You're a media company first. You're a car dealership second. You're a media company first, fill in the blank, second. And here's what it means. In the 20th century, the golden age of madman style marketing, newspaper, television, radio, they dominated in terms of the platforms. But back then, you had to rent the audience, the yellow pages. Michael, I'm running into stories all over North America about people who used to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars. They wrote big checks for the yellow pages guy every year. He's not coming back. I was in... uh, in a hotel in America not too long ago. I couldn't believe when's the last time anyone picked up the USA Today newspaper. I couldn't believe how thin that thing was. Well, the Yellow Pages dude ain't coming back. And the paper is going to get so thin, many more are heading towards extinction. So what it's created is this wide open gulf, this huge opportunity, in my opinion, for those who recognize the strategy has changed. You used to be able to rent the audience. Now you have to create and own the audience. As I was listening to your response, it really reflected in me that we have to think a little differently than we've done in the past. And how do I convince a person that's perhaps come from a different age to embrace new ways of communication when often they are intimidated by it. Do you see that? Oh, absolutely. But in fact, I think this podcast, Michael, and what you're doing right now is a perfect illustration of living in the future. That to me is what Michael Strickland Consulting as a company is doing. Why? You're launching a podcast. This is your own media, your own radio station, as it were. Are there going to be hiccups? Are there going to be technical glitches? Are you going to stumble around and, and, and know what button should I push type thing? Of course. Of course. But what's the price for not doing it? The price is going to be this. Every day you refuse. And I say this, Michael, as you know, very bluntly to CEOs and executives all over the continent. Every day you refuse to get on board with the freight train of change. 
Every day you become more and more irrelevant. Every day you become more and more invisible by not embracing the new technologies, video blogging, podcasting, YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn, all of these things. And this freight train of change is not going to slow down. It's only going to get faster. And there's going to be much more distance separating those who still live what I call the age of the yellow page. And that's over. All you have to do is go to any city landfill and see the evidence for yourself if you need that evidence. Gary, you must be clairvoyant because I was pushing all the wrong buttons before we started this call. So I, I, I could appreciate the, the thought and the intimidation that can occur. But I would really encourage, Gary, you and I are having a conversation. I'm in Louisville, Kentucky. You're in Canada. And we're being able to share information through technology with the tools that are available. So I would encourage those of you who feel intimidated is just jump in. You can't break anything, so just try it. But I do want to go back to your your premise that the age of the yellow pages really caught me. And that is so true in that recently I noticed in the business complex where I have my consulting practice in my offices, someone had come along and paid some worker to drop off these thick phone books in each of the lobby areas. They sat there for at least 10 days. Nobody ever picked one up that I saw. And most people did pick them up, put them in the dumpster. But I think your conversation and that metaphor of, of people tossing those phone books two and a half inches thick into a dumpster is real. Let me ask you this question. Where does one self-evaluate their current messaging and what they're doing is correct because most of my colleagues and entrepreneurs and business owners, yeah, they have a website. They know they need to be present with a digital technology. They know a lot of these things. They just don't know how to execute. So how do you advise them? And I think that's where the metaphor and the example of the huggable car dealer is now so relevant, Michael, because as you know, in any overcrowded, mature, competitive space, after a while, you can't distinguish yourself on things like quality, on things like product, service, features, advantages, benefits. It can't be done. The outside world can't tell you apart. Everybody has got unwavering commitment to customer satisfaction. Everyone's got the same mission statement, core values, Michael, of what? Honesty, integrity, creativity, teamwork, respect for all. I mean, this is all Miss America pageant language and mom and apple pie. And But what do you do when everyone's the same? You've got to completely, if everybody zigs, you zag. And the one thing that we discovered with the huggable car dealer is when you actually tell a story and make it less about the product and give the audience a hook. And when you see yourself as creating an audience as opposed to running a sales organization, sales-driven organizations are missing out on a huge opportunity to create a brand with a story that actually gets people to come to you. And I think that's what I see, Michael, over and over again is the biggest misconception 
is the difference between direct marketing, which is basically a sales-driven organization, and brand marketing, which is about creating community, creating audience, and over time, not overnight, but over time, you build up so much critical mass, they come to you, they seek you out. And one of the responses I get all the time, and certainly we saw it when we visited with you and your wonderful group in Louisville, is that you just got to recognize how much the dynamics of a business relationship change when they come to you. So if you're a software developer, how many other software developers are there out there in America? I mean, there would be thousands. But if you want to get out of the trenches of competing with everybody else and getting your nose bloodied and getting beat up on price and trying to win on features, advantage, benefits, if you start with what we call a storytelling strategy and a poll strategy, and you recognize that you can do things through the power of story that no other software firm can do, no other engineering firm can do, no other, in this case, car dealership can do, then you've got a chance to go and explore some different areas, and then you're not talking about your product. And to your point earlier, Michael, you're using these new platforms, these new technologies to communicate your new message. And over time, you build audience, you build traction, you build brand equity. To your point, I work with organizations and management teams and marketing groups and sales teams to try to align them with the proper messaging to go to the marketplace and take advantage of growth. But you're right, the default for convincing and persuading your potential clients to perhaps engage with you is what I call the Charlie Brown conversation. (laughs) Exactly. It all sounds the same. We have great people. We have great quality. We have a stellar reputation. And oh, by the way, we were founded in uh, 150 years ago. Well, by the time you go through that messaging, your client has disengaged. The Mego effect takes over. My eyes glaze over and you've lost that connection. So I am curious that old language no longer appropriate. So you're saying replacing it with a story that connects you differently? Yeah, the idea of of a story, and this is where I'm glad you and I have time to sort this out through a podcast, because the trick is to tell the story that never ends, the story that has no ending, and to nail it with as few words as possible. So I recommend you got to look for a story that you can tell in two to six words. Let me give you an example. Let's, let's allow, Michael, you and I, because of the podcast, we can let everyone just play along at home, can't we? Sure. Sure. And you and I have never rehearsed this and we never talked about it because we talked about before. We'll just, we'll just do this for real. Okay, Michael, I'm going to give you a name of a brand and you tell me in three words what is their story. And everyone playing along at home can do the same thing. Here's the brand, Nike. Nike's three-word story is, what's the three words? What's the one phrase that Nike is known by? Just do it. Right. Now, how many stories can they tell off the just do it narrative that speaks to courage, initiative, resourcefulness, grit, athleticism? There's so many values baked, woven through the DNA 
of those three words. Now, how many stories you can tell? Well, geez, they could tell a story about Michael Jordan and Spike Lee way back when. Then they could tell a story around Bo Jackson, because Bo knew. Keep going. Kobe, LeBron, Colin Kaepernick, controversial, social justice. Now we're into Serena and advancing the cause of women's sports, disabled athletes. How long can Nike keep doing its brand of storytelling around those three words? What an awesome example. Yeah. So, Michael, let's just sit back and look at it very strategically, because I know you work with a lot of companies that are interested in how do you build brand equity? Well, Nike's brand valuation is up around $30 billion. I don't think it's any coincidence that the brand valuation of Nike is 3x that of their top three competitors. 3x. And yet, when I ask executive audiences, CEO audiences all over America, what's the first thing you think of when you think of Reebok? What do they come back with? Nothing. You stumped me. I was, I was sitting here trying to reply, and I, I just couldn't grab anything. So, yeah, Well, of course, and that's, that's the point, is that Reebok, just in the last decade, Michael, you and I can speculate, but we have a pretty good guess that they're into the millions and millions and millions of dollars that they've spent on marketing to be known for nothing. I appreciate the fact that I actually passed the test rather than failed it. No, no, no. Yeah, exactly. It's, and I can't, and just so you know, Michael, and I mean this from the heart, I can't find an audience anywhere in the entire United States of America or up here in Canada that knows what Reebok stands for other than their shoes. And that's the real secret. If there's one huge question, one big takeaway, quote unquote, from this podcast, it would be if you're serious about building an irresistible brand, you've actually got to figure out, well, who are you beyond the products or services you sell? And how do you figure out those values? And how do you figure out that essence and capture it in a two to six word narrative that replaces every here today, gone tomorrow slogan or tagline? Because the goal is to create legacy. The goal is to create brand equity that you can build on and build on. And of course, Michael, as you can appreciate, it takes on a whole more personal meaning for me when I'm looking at a a used car guy that I met on a corner lot in 2002. Like I said, he had five employees. He was just like everybody else. And, And I sit here today in this massive, brand new building and he's expanded beyond used cars into things like Kawasaki. He's he's in his second year of, of, of being a Kawasaki dealer. He's already number two in all of Canada from a very small town. It's just phenomenal how a brand can exert that kind of magnetic irresistibility no matter what product service category you compete in. And that's where you, if you juxtapose Nike and just do it, and then you juxtapose Jim Gilbert's Wheels and Deals, Canada's huggable car dealer. You see, there's three words, there's four words that never have to change. They can go on to infinity. And that's what I mean by the story that has no ending. What an awesome and relevant piece of advice for businesses. And, you know, as you're speaking through this, it's even our conversations, even meaningful for me as a leadership coach, a mentor, a Vistage chair, a CEO advisor, 
that there are coaches and leadership gurus on every corner. But even in this world, I've got to create the right messaging that is a compelling story that is different and unique. And so I was even thinking about rather than being a leadership coach, maybe I'm through three or four simple words helping business owners and key executives face change could be something as resonant to tell more stories. So, A, I thank you for that, not only for my audience, but I thank you for that for me. Let me ask you this question. Let's, let's move in a different direction. Many of my clients, and I'm sure yours as well, work with creative folks who have a knack for creating slogans and really nice flyers and printed literature. How do you make them better? How do you challenge them to connect your story to people. I know you've helped Canada's most huggable car dealer. <laughs> yeah. And oh, by the way, and I'm sure our audience is thinking, what can we learn from a car dealer? Well, in this case, I think there is a huge fountain of knowledge, which I know you've been guiding that. So how do you help creative people? Well, it starts with a simple framework. In my mind. Now, I've been doing this a long time, Michael. So for me, this has become second nature. But for anyone new to this, it's going to require forgetting what you think you already know about the 20th century and what I call that product service feature advantage benefit mindset and instead get into the world of story. So the two operating systems don't even connect. But let me give you a real life example And I think one that anyone could relate to. It's an engineering firm and they're located in nearby Ohio. And this is not quite ready to go live yet, but I don't mind telling the story from the spirit of your question, Michael, which is, well, what separates them from every engineering firm in North America? Does that make sense? Yes. So this engineering firm invited me in and... We do these one-day boot camps with executive teams to really figure out, down to the nitty-gritty, the answer to that question. Well, who are you beyond the product or service you sell? And all the exercises, all of the interviewing techniques are all designed to answer that question. Who are you beyond the product or service? And so in this case, And oftentimes, Michael, the story is right there sitting under your nose, but you can't see it. But in this case, I realized as I'm working with about, and in these boot camps, we have about 10 or 12 participants. I think there was about a dozen there that day. And I realized through the exercises, they're not those, you know what I mean, Michael? They're not those straight-laced engineering types. They're they're actually kind of a fun, loosey-goosey bunch Now, they're not madcap off the wall crazy, but they're very friendly, like the kind of people you would hang out with at your local pub. Did I say local pub? Yeah, because in the new building that they just uh, moved into, they've actually got their own pub. I hope you heard that loud and clear. Part of their new building is an engineering firm. They built their own pub. As we went through the boot camp that day and then afterwards, one of my missions is to always facilitate a process so that the team 
comes up with the creativity based on this idea of who are they already. And I made the observation, I said, uh, and, and starting with the CEO, the CEO is kind of like your best neighbor. The guy, the guy you would love to have over uh, in your garage or you go over to his just to have a couple of cold ones. And did I mention he likes beer? Like I said, I, I'm trying to describe as best I can through the magic of the podcast that this is a friendly kind of warm bunch. Kindness was running through this, these guys. Kindness. And then it hit me. And I said, I don't even watch the show, but you guys remind me of like you're from the set of Cheers. I, I just drew some Michael, some pop culture analogy. Okay. So you got a picture. Okay. If, if they're kind of like Cheers and they have all these things about them with their fondness for ale and they've already got a pub. Can you see now how the engineering group, so let's just say it's Strickland Engineering, because again, this is going to be released in September. So you just got a picture, ABC Engineering or whatever. Now their narrative becomes good at math, surprisingly human. And to your point, we are not accustomed to observing in that nature. Exactly. Now, just and, and when you pull yourself back, how many stories, how many videos, how many Instagram photos, how many podcasts, how many stories could you tell that always anchor back to good at math, surprisingly human? What an awesome execution of what you're saying to us. And obviously you have that talent and that ability to observe from a third party stand station, if you will, to see what is the real value and what connects people to the success of that organization. So I applaud you for that talent. And obviously one of the reasons I asked you to join me today Quickly, what parting advice would you give to an executive based surrounding this whole discussion about let's change the way we were taught? I can do that very quickly, Michael, and I call it the stairway to seven. Here's how it works. And you can picture it in a descending scale. Okay, so you're not going up the steps, you're going down the staircase. But let's start and everyone can do this again in their imagination. Let's start with, well, what is the goal? What is the objective? I think this is so crucial. I don't see enough executives and CEOs firmly fixated on the goal. And in my opinion, in my view, the goal is to become irresistible. That one word, irresistible. So if that's the goal, if it's not the goal to be irresistible, and be the category of one, well, guess what? You're admitting defeat right there. You're, you're saying you're okay with not having a goal. You're okay with, with being just like the other guy down the street. That's what you're saying. And the market will respond in kind. I firmly believe that, Michael. The market responds in kind. But if your goal is to be irresistible, well, here's the stairway to seven. And the stairway to seven starts with this. It begins with the mindset of having a pull strategy. 
make the customer come to you with a pull strategy, which is diametrically different than a push strategy. It's not about direct marketing. It's about brand marketing, which is all based on the pull. When you have the pull strategy firmly in your mind, and that's what you want to do, you want to, that means you've got to create what I call the giant magnet on steroids. You can't go out and buy this stuff. You've actually got to create it. And part of creating the giant magnet on steroids means you've got to do things that will actually get, and here's number two in the staircase, get the customer to do the marketing. Get the customer to do the marketing. Because in this day and age, every customer is armed with a device, a phone. And what's going to happen? Even this podcast, Michael, someone's going to come across this link and maybe they're going to enjoy this interaction so much. What are they going to do? They might share it with their friend. Get the customer to do the marketing. But the customer on the third set of the staircase will not do the marketing for you unless you are willing to zag. If you don't have a differentiation, something that truly sets you apart, if you're, I haven't met a customer yet that will, that will actually willingly and gladly play the role of ambassador unless you've created some sort of zag or massive amount of differentiation. And then below that, below the zag is the media company. If you're not actively pursuing things like Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, Instagram, video, audio podcasts such as this one. The longer you put that off, that means you're not serious about playing in the new 21st century in terms of the framework of how the new 21st century is playing out. And below the media company would be consistent original content. You've got to actually think like a media company. When is the six o'clock news? Well, it's always at six o'clock. I know for myself, if anyone goes to my website and subscribes to my video blogs, it'll be every second Wednesday. Every second Wednesday, they'll get a new video on the subject of leaders and legends. And then as we wind down the staircase, we go to number six, which is the plot-driven narrative. What is the plot-driven narrative? What is the, not a slogan, not a tagline, what is the narrative that is soaked and infused with dramatic elements like Nike's just do it like Canada's huggable car dealer, something that uh, like in the state of Texas, don't mess with Texas is a great one. Diamonds are forever said De Beers and the Marines, the few, the proud. These are what I call these dramatic tribal narratives, but you can't get there unless you deeply understand the bottom of the staircase, the values, your actual core values, not the mission statement language from the management consulting world, but actually who you are beyond those products and services. If you can figure those values out, like we did with that engineering firm we talked about in Ohio, Michael, they really had kindness as a big part of who they already were, then you can work your way back up the staircase, the narrative about being good at math, surprisingly human, and then the consistent original publishing uh, that's going to be part of their media company, which automatically creates differentiation slash zag. And then guess what's going to happen? Customer will do the marketing and the poll strategy kicks in. You go down the staircase, you go up the staircase. That is what I call the stairway to seven. What an awesome piece of advice. 
I assure you that if you even take the first step, you're going to make a change in your organization. I'm going to close, Gare, with a, with a story, which you will appreciate. When you spoke to my CEO group here in Louisville, they, they were riveted to their seats. They were engaged with you all day long. They were learning to tell their stories differently. And it was an awesome experience. But when you're a facilitator of a message like that, often you're more concerned about is the room comfortable? Do we have coffee at the break? And all those things that you shouldn't be engaged with, but you are simply because they're expected. Your message didn't hit me until the following morning. And I had shared with you, you sent me, no surprise, a YouTube video that you were in Louisville, Kentucky, and you did it prior to the meeting, and I was really impressed with that. I shared with you at the meeting that I have a dog named Sam, and I walk Sam every morning, and that's a ritual, rain or shine, that we do. Uh, And if I don't do it, Sam lets me know. But after hearing that story, you actually gave me a gift from Canada's most huggable car dealer. It was a dog leash. (laughs) (laughs) So the message has been a constant companion every morning that says, maybe I ought to talk with this guy. He is really on to something on a deeper level. And I think we've done that today. So I appreciate it. Tell the folks how they can engage with you. Some folks need a little training to get their story wheels going. Yeah, well, I, I I appreciate the kind words, Michael, and I can already picture the conversations that you and Sam have, and uh, and I can see that because that's visual. I can see that dog leash with that logo and you and Sam walking along. So I'm glad you shared that because that's what it's all about. It's about how do you go deeper in a human way and the only way i've ever figured it out or seen it happen and actually seen it work is through the power of story that's how we actually connect with each other as humans we've done it for thousands of years somehow business schools and management consulting knocked the hell out of us and made us think we can't do that anymore which i think is just i think that's foolish And I think that's the beauty of all these new technologies and platforms is they let us do that. So I'm the easiest guy to find on the Internet to answer your question, Michael. It's Gare, G-A-I-R, Maxwell, GareMaxwell.com. Like I said earlier, I've got a video blog, Leaders and Legends. That's what we do. We talk about, you know, different leaders and legends that we come across. So when we were in Louisville, I remember that week, we did a story around uh, Muhammad Ali because I went to his boyhood home. And actually, I was in San Francisco back in June. And I went to Steve Jobs's house. And there's a five and a half minute video out of that. And so there's things we do that are supporting our forthcoming book. It's not the manuscripts finished. We're into development editing. It's called Big Little Legends. It'll be due out early in 2020. And like I say, I'm the easiest guy to find on the web. And here's how simple it can be. Pick up the phone. Pick up the phone, make a phone call, have a conversation. I I have conversations all the time with people across the country. And I've certainly, Michael, enjoyed this conversation with you. It's been great, Gary. I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to help us exercise our brains a little bit differently. And I think in very meaningful ways. So I do appreciate that. 
I appreciate those of you who've taken time to listen to our podcast called The Koi Chronicles, Lessons in Leadership and Successful Strategies for Entrepreneurs. Our next guest will be Mark Hogg from Waterstep. Mark is an interesting fellow who some 25 years ago on a project from his attending college, went to Africa and assisted a community to solve the problem of not having fresh water available. And he's created a, a meaningful nonprofit organization that's helping distressed communities all over the world to have clean water. Mark will be an interesting story. Gareth, thank you so much. I appreciate it. This is Michael Strickland. Thanks for being with us and join me next time for our next Koi Chronicles. Visit us at michaelstricklandconsulting.com or follow us on Podbean. Until then, Michael Strickland, and don't forget, the planets and stars and heavens are a perfect management operating system that has already solved your problem if you just take time to observe it.